I'm going to start this morning with a little honest question here, get us going this morning. How many of you have had a situation in your life at some point, some point in your life, where it didn't go your way, didn't go as expected, and you had some negative thoughts pop up in your brain? Raise your hand. Come on, let's be honest. We're in God's house, right? We've got to be honest. If you're online, I can't see you, but raise your hand. We've all felt it. We've all experienced it, right? Uh, how about just this week? Maybe something didn't go the way you expected it to, and those negative thoughts started creeping up in your head. Be honest. Yeah, most of us, right? How about this morning? Was there anybody that got up this morning? All right, be honest. You saw me. You're like, whoa, that's not Pastor Mark. You're watching online. You turned to the YouTube channel. Something's going on here, right? Good. All right, well, that's a good start. So nobody's feeling too negative this morning. But we've all had these negative thoughts that creep up in our head, right? We've got to learn how that we can just defeat them, right? And just... To, to help you guys understand that pastors aren't, uh, you know, we, we're not always immune to this either. We're susceptible to negative thinking at times. I wanted to share a little story with you. So this past weekend, uh, last weekend, I took my family on a camping trip. We went camping, tenting up to uh, the Little Grand Canyon near Wellsboro. I don't know if any of you have been there, but it's beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. We're not that far away. Uh, if you're thinking about where you could go camping this summer, that's a great place. It was an amazing trip. We had a great time, uh, but it didn't start out that way. It did not start out incredible. In fact, uh, we got a little bit of a late start. My wife and I both worked, so we kind of had to wait until we got off work on Friday. And uh, So by the time we got up to the campsite, it was probably about 6.30, right? And I'm already hungry at this point. In fact, I'm a little bit hangry. And uh, if you're hungry, that's not a good time to set up camp, right? And I don't know if you guys knew this, it wasn't in the brochure, but there's no Chick-fil-A up in the Little Grand Canyon. So they should tell you that before you go, but there was none up there. So the plan was to try to set up the tent, set up the campsite, uh, start a little fire, have some hot dogs, mountain pies over the fire, right? Uh, but as you can imagine, it didn't go as planned. Okay, So I'm a little bit hungry, a little hangry, setting up the campsite, uh, putting the tents, uh, tent up, and, you know, those poles... I couldn't figure out where they went. There was like six different directions in different languages. I couldn't figure out where the poles went. Uh, the poles actually tie into these little pegs that I was trying to get them in, and they kept popping off. And uh, so I was getting a little frustrated. A little, you know, things just weren't going as I planned. And again, I'm, I'm hungry. And these negative thoughts started popping up in my head. Probably some of them started expressing themselves out of my mouth in bodily language that I was expressing. Right, And my wife's a pretty patient person, but I think she could probably sense that something was going on here, right? Um, so things just weren't going as I planned. And finally, I have the tent up. I have my easy up tent uh, canopy up. I have the food all prepped. We're ready to go, right? And I'm, all I got to do is start the fire. That shouldn't take that long. We can start eating, right? Yeah, that didn't happen. As you can imagine, it didn't go as I planned, so I had to buy the camp wood from the campground because they wouldn't let you bring any wood in, uh, and because of that, uh, I used their wood, and it wasn't dry, right? So I'm fiddling with this fire for what seemed like an hour. I'm extremely frustrated. I'm extremely hungry, uh, and probably by the time the food was ready, everybody in my family was ready to just camp it up. Let's go home, right? Let's pack everything up. Let's go home. Because I started letting my negative thoughts, things that weren't going the way I envisioned them, to ruin my day, and it, uh, it really ruined the, the, my attitude, and the people around me weren't having a good time, 
uh, and I could have ruined my camping trip before it ever got started, right? This has probably happened to you at some point. And thankfully, I have a, a loving family that showed me a little bit more grace than I deserved in that moment, and they accepted my apology, and uh, the rest of the trip went really well. But you could probably remember a similar situation like that's happened in your life, right? I mean, we're not immune to that. Nobody's immune to negative thinking, things that are, aren't going our way. They're not going as we envisioned them, as we planned, and we start thinking negatively, and sometimes it affects our, our attitude, our actions, our words that are coming out of our mouth, starts affecting our loved ones around us. And so this morning, as we continue in our sermon series titled, It's All in Your Head, that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to be focusing on how do we defeat those negative thoughts when they start creeping inside of our head. Because our mind is a powerful thing. We can't get rid of our mind. We can't put it in a box and keep it away from us, right? It's powerful. So we got to learn how to defeat those negative thoughts this morning. So if you would, let's pray before we get into this morning's message. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you gave us a manual to try to figure this stuff out. And uh, this morning, I just I pray that we have open hearts and open minds. Those that are watching online can listen and learn from your word, Lord. We want to learn from your word. We want to learn from the example that Apostle Paul gave us of how this should look like, how we can live it out. That's a high standard to live by, but Lord, you gave us that example so we would know something to model. And we thank you for that. Lord, this morning I just pray that everything that we talk about in your scripture is all about you. We want to feel your presence this morning. So much negativity in the world, and we just want to feel your positive energy this morning. So we can give you glory for it. We can, we can kind of spread that amongst our family, our friends, and our community, Lord. Let's glorify your name through it all. Amen. This morning I want to pick up in a passage of scripture that we covered two weeks ago in 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and pull that out. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, you can also look on the Version app. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're just going to look at a few verses here, starting in verse 3. And I think this short passage is really going to set the tone for what we're going to be talking about here this morning on how we can defeat our negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, we live in the world, but we don't fight with worldly weapons, right? This passage of scripture from Paul explains that if we've allowed Jesus to come into our heart, we've asked him for his gift of grace, and we've We've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that we, we don't just have these worldly gifts that we can fight with. We have divine gifts. We have the Holy Spirit that lives with us. And so when these negative thoughts come up in our brain, we have something here Paul explains in verse 5. He says, we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, every, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ obedient to Christ, anything that is inconsistent with the word of God, 
we make it our prisoner. We're not prisoner to, to the lies, to the negative thoughts of this world, because those, those negative thoughts, those are the, those are the tools of the enemy, our, our enemy, Satan, right? We, we can't defend that with worldly weapons, but we can defend it with godly, divine weapons, right? So it doesn't matter what you're dealing with this morning, and all of us are dealing with something. We've all felt negativity over this past year, more so maybe than any other year in our lives. There's been fear, anxiety. There's people who have lost loved ones. There's depression. Maybe some people watching online or in here in person have lost their job this past year. But we're not a prisoner to the lies of this world. The lies are prisoners to the word of God. And we can take them captive. We can make them obedient to Christ. You know, our, our thoughts are a really powerful thing. They're with us all the time. And oftentimes our thoughts are determined by a cognitive bias. That's a, that's a big term. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that term before. Has anybody ever heard of that term cognitive bias? Basically what that means, it's, it's this mental filter that we use. We don't know that we're using it, but we use it based on uh, beliefs or preferences or maybe experiences that we've had in the past. And it causes us to make errors in judgment and thought processing because we have this wrong mental filter. It distorts how we see the world, how we see people around us, how we view conversations and relationships that we have. And this is essentially why maybe you've experienced this. You'll have two people experience the exact same thing, and they respond completely different to it. Because it's not the facts, it's not the situation that's different, it's this mental filter that's different. Maybe some of you have seen this play out in the work environment. You know, a lot of supervisors, a lot of bosses, they'll have an annual review with their employees. And there's one employee, employee A, right, and employee B. And they get almost the exact same evaluation. The facts are the same. Employee A goes into that room one-on-one -on -one with his boss. He comes out and he says, I tell you what, why, he thinks that I did this and I did that. I'll tell you how you can do your job, right? Uh, I'm pretty good at my job. He don't know what he's talking about. Maybe I'll just look for another job. Right? His mental filter took him to a place that was pretty negative. Boy, B goes into that same situation, same review, note for note, and he comes out and he says, you know what, thank you for that. I didn't realize that about my performance, and now I, I can learn from it and I can become a better employee. Same situation, same facts, nothing's changed except for that mental filter in their beliefs, in their background, maybe in experiences they've had in, the, in their past life. And this cognitive bias can also greatly impact the relationship that we have with God, right? You know, imagine some of us in this room have had amazing dads, amazing, incredible dads that always encouraged us. They were very involved in our life. They were always positive. They always told us to go for our dreams. Always loved us unconditionally. It didn't matter what we did, they loved us. And if that was your experience, it's probably not hard to fathom that you have a heavenly father that loves you just like that, if not even a ton more. Right? But some of you have probably had an experience with your dad that was horrible. 
that you would never want anyone else to experience that wasn't involved in your life. Maybe he was abusive verbally or physically. Always put you down. Was always judgmental. It's a little bit more difficult for that individual to see our Heavenly Father is a God that loves you unconditionally. That's willing to, to come down from heaven and sacrifice himself so you can live eternally with him. Those are two completely different filters. The, the facts haven't changed. God is who God is. He never changes. He doesn't change from person to person, but that mental filter has changed greatly. Because we come into these situations in our life with cognitive bias. And we need to learn that in, uh, a really important concept this morning. What we're going to focus on a lot of this morning is an important concept that we can use to defeat this cognitive bias, these filters, these negative filters, and learn how to defeat negative thoughts when they come into our head. All right, and this term is called reframe. Reframe. Reframing is essentially a different way of looking at a situation, a person, a relationship, whatever the case may be. Right? How you frame it is how it's going to turn out. Right? Just think about today. This morning when you woke up, maybe any day this week, you can think back, you woke up, what kind of day are you going to have that day? It's usually determined in the first few minutes of the day, isn't it? You get up, it's raining outside again. I got to go to this job, I hate this job. I got to come to church, I got to hang out with these weirdo Christians, right? I got to go to lunch with my family, and every time I have lunch with my family, they, they, we get in a fight, and it never ends well. Life is terrible. Never going to get any better. What kind of day are you going to have? Probably not a real good one, right? On the other hand, if you wake up and you say, man, today's Sunday. I get to go to church. I get to hang out at Grace Fellowship. And some of those people may be a little weird, especially the guy talking right now. He's a little strange. But I still love him, despite all that, right? I can't wait to go to Aunt Ruth's today for lunch. She makes some amazing food. And she has, she's always has great conversation. You're going to have a great day. It's how we frame it. And I want us to understand this this morning. This is a really important concept. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Say that again. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And the Apostle Paul was amazing at this. He was amazing at reframing his circumstances. If you guys know the Apostle Paul and you know some of his story, you know he had this pretty specific prayer plan. His plan, he prayed to God faithfully, Lord, just send me to Rome. If you send me to Rome and I can and get in there and I can start pre preaching and praying with these influential leaders in the community of Rome, I can spread the gospel throughout the whole world starts in Rome and he prayed about that and he prayed about it and eventually he got to Rome but it wasn't how he planned it because he went to Rome he was a prisoner he was locked up he was chained to Roman guards and he got a new one every eight hours and he was waiting on a possible execution that's not what Paul had envisioned in his plan right that's not what he saw but how did he frame it how do you frame the situation? We're going to look at that in a little bit. Maybe this is where you're at right now. I think most of us can, can kind of 
sympathize with Paul, right? Maybe you thought to yourself, if I just get this degree, I can get the job I always wanted, this is where I'll be. You find that you work so hard, you get that degree, and now you're overqualified, or the job wasn't what you really anticipated, and you don't love it as much as you thought. You know, maybe you thought, if I just marry my high school sweetheart, things would be great. We'll have this great life together. And things just didn't work out the way you planned. You wake up at such and such an age. Some of you may have birthdays coming up. I have a pretty big one coming up here in a couple weeks. It's big, and I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm turning 40 this year. Not excited about that. It's horrible. I know, people are like, boo-hoo, right? For me, it's a big deal. And when I was, you know, young, starting out in marriage, starting out in college, this is not what I envisioned. This was not my plan. I had very specific plans. I was going to work in sports. I was going to be a coach, maybe a teacher. I had very specific plans, and God took me on a whole different path. This is not what I envisioned, but it's so much better than what I envisioned. This is where we're at, and this is where Paul was at. Paul had this plan. He saw it in his head. If I could just get to Rome, I could just preach the gospel. I can share it throughout the whole world. This is where it starts. How did Paul frame it? Let's look. I want to look at Philippians. Just a couple books to your right in the Bible. We'll go through Galatians and Ephesians. And we'll we'll head to Philippians. And we're going to be in chapter 1. I want you to listen, if you can, listen to, to Paul's tone when he's He's in this situation. He's locked up to Roman guards, which that in itself would be frightening enough for me. Right? I'd probably be out. I'm good. I don't need to do this anymore. That's not what Paul said. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He totally reframed that situation. That is not what I would explain to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'd be like, look, somebody please save me. I'm chained up to an eight-foot soldier. He's pretty scary. That's not what he's saying. He said, this is being done to glorify Christ, to advance the gospel. It's not what I envisioned. This is not what I planned out. Everybody else around me, everybody else in the church is probably saying, this is bad. Our leader, Paul, is a prisoner. But Paul writes, you know, every, every eight hours I get this new Roman soldier that has influence within the Roman Empire. And I get to talk to him one-on-one. I get a one-on-one with these guys can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it, how you look at it. In the next verse, in 14, he says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. I'm not sure that I would feel that way either. I'm not sure if I saw Pastor Mark chained up to a Roman guard that I'd be more encouraged to go out and speak the gospel. A lot of people are saying, Paul, this is pretty bad. It's not looking good. But he sees God at work. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, God is allowing it to happen for a reason. 
Paul sees opportunity that wouldn't have been there if he hadn't have been a prisoner. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you look at it, how you frame it. And Paul was an incredible apostle. I mean, he's a pretty high standard to live up to. He gave us a pretty good threshold of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. So how do we live that out? Because negative thoughts are going to come in our head. We can't, we can't completely shut that off. But we can control how we filter it, how we frame it, how we respond to it, right? So that's what I want to do in our time that we have left this morning. I want to give you three principles that I've already started to use in my life as I was preparing for this message this morning that have already started to work. And I think if we all start doing this, if all Christians started living up to these principles, we'd be living in a much different world. All right? So when, when these negative thoughts start creeping up in our head, here's the first thing that we can do. The first thing that we can do is thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for the things that did not happen. I'm going to share a story with you here this morning that I... Yeah, I contemplated whether I should share it or not, and, and I want to preface it with this. I'm not sharing this story so you believe what I believe or would respond to it the same way that I would respond to it. I'm just going to share my heart with you this morning. Most of you know that my other job, I'm a safety consultant. So what that entails is I get to go into businesses. I get to see a lot of cool stuff. And the most important thing about it is I get to build relationships to help them understand ways that they can keep their employees safe. That's my goal. At the end of the day, I just want employees to go home to their families the same way they came to work. And I love doing that. I've been in safety for a little over 10 years now. I've been with this company for the last three years. And I'm sure most people have uh, not had this experience with a place of employment, but I don't have anything negative to say about this place. For three years, I've worked with them. I love the people I work with. I love what I do. It's challenging. Sometimes it's difficult, but I don't have anything negative to say about my place of employment. It's actually made the transition to ministry a little bit more difficult for me because I do love what I do. About three, four weeks ago, I got an email. went out to the whole company. This was the first negative thought that ever creeped up in my mind when it came to this company. And again, maybe you're dealing with this. Maybe this is completely off radar with you. You've never experienced this. Maybe you're retired, whatever the case may be. But I got a, a letter that I would describe as um, it was deflating, for one. It was um, very aggressive. That's the way I would describe the letter, as being very aggressive to all employees who have not made the decision to get vaccinated yet which was about a third of our company. So it wasn't like I was in the huge minority. It was about a third of our company. And I've done everything for this company. I love the company. Uh, I go into clients and I wear a mask. And as you can imagine in the Cove community, sometimes they look at me like I got three heads. But I still do it because that's what my company wants me to do. I've always done what they've asked me to do. Um, I'm not anti-mask. I'm not anti-vaccine. That's not why I'm sharing this story. I do think that people, families, parents should have the authority and the right to make those decisions for themselves and their families. So I got this letter, it's pretty aggressive, and it basically, in my opinion, questioned my intelligence not to get the vaccine. 
um, a, a question whether my thought press, uh, process, my ideology matched up well with a company that I had worked for for three years and that I loved. So I was hurt. I was really hurt. And I didn't respond very well to that situation. Uh, I called. I was about ready to do an inspection at one of my clients. I had just pulled into their parking lot, and I read this, so it, you know, it just put me in the wrong state of mind. I called up my boss, and I, he's a great boss. I love talking to him. Sometimes we just we just call, call each other to talk about hunting and different things. But I called him, and I said, did you see this letter? I can't believe this letter. What is going on? Right? And he agreed with me. He had actually had the vaccine because he's going on a hunting trip. So, uh, But he agreed with the fact that you know I should be able to, to make that decision for myself. And I think he was a little afraid that he'd lose me as an employee. <laughs> All right. Looking back on it now, now that I've had four weeks to kind of uh, calm down and look back and reflect, I wish I would have looked at it and said, you know what, thank God for the things that didn't happen. Because right? here's a month later, and I didn't lose my job. Right? I can still provide for my family. Um, I didn't lose my health insurance, which is really good. I need that for my family and for my kids. Um, I'm not in a situation where if I did lose my job tomorrow that I wouldn't have another plan. God's been working a plan of ministry for several years now for me. So now that I'm able to reflect on it, I can kind of see maybe God's just moving things into position that he wants to move out of the way for me. Sometimes we just need to take a moment and breathe and thank God for what didn't happen. Right? Maybe you're at work and the situation is you didn't get that project done in time. You don't get that bonus at the end of the year because of that. You missed the deadline. Okay. You still have your job? Can you still provide for your family? Maybe you're in a car accident and this is very inconvenient. It's going to be costly. I may not get my car back for several weeks. Okay. But did anybody get hurt? How about we take a minute to thank God for protecting you? Physically protecting you. Sometimes we just need to pause and thank God for the things that did not happen. We always focus on the things that did happen, the negativity. Thank you, God. Pastor Mark, he's on a trip. He get, took his family in an airplane, right? Many of you have been on an airplane, and you've been delayed at the terminal, right? How many have been delayed at the terminal? You sit there, and you're like, ugh plane's broken, I'm going to be here all night. Well, I'm very thankful that they didn't realize the plane was broken when I'm 30,000 feet in the air, right? Thank God for that. Let's thank God for the things that didn't happen. The second step we want to do is because we're talking about framing, right? Let's practice pre-framing. Framing the situation ahead of time. Preparing for what's to happen. Not thinking about the negative things that have happened in the past, but hey, this is coming, this is going down the pipeline, here's how I'm going to frame it. Here's how I'm going to look at it different. Instead of interpreting things automatically as negative, look at the positive of it. Choose the frame ahead of time. My God is with me, he's for me, he's not going to forsake me. No matter what I'm dealing with in this world, God's with me. I got this. And if, in fact, if a difficult situation comes up, for me as a pastor, if there's someone that's on their deathbed and they don't know Christ, I want that conversation. Because I know that God is good. He's going to give me the words that I need to hear. 
I'm going to go in there and I'm going to win. I'm going to win that heart for Christ. And no matter what you guys deal with in your work environment, in your home, maybe you have a family member. That you just, it's uncomfortable to try to have that conversation. You know what? It's going to be a lot more uncomfortable if you get to heaven and they're not there. God's with me. Let's pre-frame it. Let's be positive. And if I'd have pre-framed it, and that's one of those situations that I just explained to you that, you know, it was not, it was way off the radar. I was not expecting it. But there's probably some things in your life that you can kind of prepare for. If I'd have pre-framed, hey, you know what? Yeah, they, they want me to get this vaccine. That's fine, okay? I've already made the decision. I've talked with it with my family. This is what we're doing. So I'm pre-framing ahead of time. This is what's going to happen. That's all right. God is in control. God's going to provide for me. God's not going to let my family starve. God's got different plans for me that are probably going to turn out to be better. And some of us, we need to pick a new frame for our lives, if we're honest. We got to stop believing that lie from the past, and we got to pre-frame success. Before you go into that situation, see it, envision it. Choose that frame ahead of time. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. How do we... How do we frame a situation? Well, first of all, we can thank God for what didn't happen, and then we can practice pre-framing ahead of time. And the third thing we can do is we can look for God's goodness in those situations. We're going to defeat our negative thoughts by always going to where God is good. What did God do through that? No matter what you're dealing with, whatever's happening in your life, you know, if you want to be critical, if you want to be negative, you can find those situations, you can find those organizations, those people will be attracted to you automatically. If you want to look for negative things, you're going to find negative things. If you want to look for positive things, you're going to find positive things. We're, just, we're living that out right now, right? Those of you that have been here for the past five years, you could look at this building as a negative thing. People have been here for these five years or not. Because they know God is going to show his glory through that place. The trusses fell down. The building fell down. It collapsed. You think God's not going to build that place? And everybody's going to be talking about it when it's done. It's all in how you frame it. You can choose to look at the negativity or you can choose to look at God's goodness through it all. And if you choose to look for the good, it'll change your attitude, it'll change your mood, it'll change your relationships. It's reframing. It's interpreting your circumstances based on the truth of God's word, not on the weapons of this world. You determine the meaning of what has happened to you. Say that again. You determine the meaning of of what happens to you. And this morning, I want to say, let Jesus be your filter to determine the meaning of what has happened to you. If we all use the example of Jesus. If we use Jesus, and we know that he's a God, a good God, we know that our Heavenly Father will never leave us or forsake us. If that's our filter, and things happen that don't go as planned, we're not going to go negative. It's not what I wanted, but I know God has a plan that's better than what I had prepared. 
Think about it in this way. Two birds. You guys are probably familiar with these birds. A vulture, right? You know, everybody knows what a vulture looks like. And a hummingbird. Those are two totally different beasts of birds, right? I don't think I've ever seen a vulture smile. Has anybody ever seen a vulture smile? Or they said, why are they not smiling? What are they looking for? What are they going after? They're going after roadkill and carcasses and dead stuff. That's what they're looking for. Hummingbird, though, is going for things that are sweet. They're looking for the nectar. Are you the vulture or are you the hummingbird? It's all in how you frame it. Let Jesus help you determine the meaning of what you're going through right now. And so many people see the bad because they're looking for the bad. You look for God, you're going to find him. Where we make the mistake a lot of times in our minds is we often try to interpret God through our circumstances. This is bad, so therefore God must be bad, right? We've heard that a lot. That's probably the biggest argument against Christianity. If God exists, why would he allow my loved one to die, to suffer from cancer? Why would he allow these riots to be going on and anger throughout our country? There's another way to look at things if we use the godly filter that God is still good. God's not changing based on your circumstances. He's still loving. He still cares about you. He's not going to leave you. He loves you. Even in the dark times, we can still praise him because no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what our circumstances are, God is always good. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. I wonder this morning how many of you would say, like me, I'll be the first one to raise my hand, that you need to choose a different frame for life. That oftentimes when you deal with difficult situations, your brain immediately goes to the negative. It's like when I was setting up that tent. My stomach was my brain in that moment. I didn't care about anything else, even my family members, but I needed to eat something. And I framed it bad. God, help me pick a better frame in all life situations. Help me, Lord. To be thankful for what did not happen. Help me to pre-frame. Help me to practice that this week and the weeks ahead. Help me practice the pre-frame. And help me to see your goodness in everything that I'm dealing with. It's a lot. People that are living in this room, watching online, we're dealing with a lot. Even me, I'm a young guy, 40, right? Not that old. Not yet. This was not how it was. I, 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 I pray for my kids so much because they're dealing with so much more than we ever dealt with. But God, this is how I can choose to pre-frame it or reframe it. God selected them to be here for this moment. They have a lot of weight on their shoulders. But I think, I believe, because I'm going to choose to reframe it better, that God is going to use our young people to bring more people to Christ than we've ever seen in any generation. And I hope that I'm still around to see it. Might not be God's plan for me. Every, every day I pray for my girls, future husbands, godly husbands. I don't know where they're at. I don't know where, you know, maybe they won't even have a husband. But I pray for them because I know 
that God is going to do some amazing things through my kids, through the kids in our children's ministry. I see it. Our youth right now, I see more courage to share the gospel than I ever had when I was their age. I could look at the world around us and say, Lord, when are you coming back? But I'm not. I'm going to thank God for what didn't happen. We still live in the best country in the world, by far. Not how I would plan it, but I'm going to pre-frame a little better and see God's goodness in everything. People don't see Jesus through us. Who are they going to see it through? God became flesh in the person of Jesus, right? He was sinless. He was perfect in every way. He came to people who people wouldn't even touch. They had disease and sickness and they sinned. Other people would stone them, but he went and he loved them and forgave them of their sins. And what was his reward for that? He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He was spit on, cursed. Experienced an excruciating death. And if we look at the life of Jesus, is that good or bad? It depends on how we frame it. We just see the person. It's not a good situation, right? He died. He was placed in a tomb. Three days later, the stone was rolled away. And he conquered death. We choose to frame it around the lens of the resurrection. Jesus, best day ever in the history of our world. Couldn't do anything without that day. It's all in how you frame it. Some of you guys are hurting right now. You feel low. You've been through a lot this past year, maybe several years. You've lost loved ones. You've had to overcome cancer. You've had to overcome loss of jobs. I look around this room, I know some of the people that are watching online, I know you've dealt with that. I can't explain it, I'm not God. Can't control what happens to you, but we can control how we frame it, how we look at it. Other people are watching us, how we're dealing with it. Are we going to look at it through the lens of God? There's some this morning, maybe some that are watching at home, that recognize that, have sin in your life right now. You feel the guilt and the shame of that? Feels like it's just overwhelming all over you. I want to explain to you the goodness of God. Because God's grace is right here. This morning, in this place, it's in your home this morning. God's grace, it doesn't leave. It's waiting for you to accept salvation. Accept that you are a sinner, and the only thing that can save you and free you of that burden is the goodness and the grace of Christ. This morning, he, he hears your prayers. He, know, he already knows your thoughts. He already knows what you're thinking about when you're talking to him about and thinking about that sin. He's waiting for you to go to him if you haven't made that decision this morning. Go to him. Say to him, I I need you, Jesus. I need your grace. I need your love. I need your mercy. I can't find it anywhere else in this world. It's because you're trying to fight this sin with worldly weapons. You can't do that. You need a divine weapon. You need the grace of God. Jesus said, 
He said this. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not need to repent. I don't know about you, but I want to hear a lot of rejoicing in heaven this morning. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, grab somebody next to you, and we're going to close in prayer in just a minute. The only thing that's going to help change your negative thoughts is the grace of God. We can't do it with our earthly weapons. We've got to look through it. We've got to reframe it through a different lens. The lens is Jesus. When we accept that gift, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we can start looking through that lens. We can flip the switch and we can thank God for the things that did not happen. We can start to practice pre-framing so our brain doesn't always go to negative thoughts and we can see God's goodness through it all. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to hear some rejoicing in heaven this morning. I want to hear that. So as we close in prayer, that's you. Grab somebody to pray with. There's pastors here that would love to pray with you afterwards, help you with your next steps. If you're watching online, you can't physically see one of us, text me, email me. Our information's on the website. Reach out to us this week. We would love for you to enter the kingdom of God this week. Let's pray.